Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. We're back. Happy Friday. It's another one of those things where you and I have talked for two hours and now thought maybe we should do a podcast. (laughs) That's happened again. At at least we get along and can talk about things. And luckily, we can talk to you guys about cars, too. Exactly. Well, I say we just dive right in. We've got a couple of great debates. First from Scott R. in Rigby, Idaho, who says he can't go to jail. But also, he has too much baggage with his car, like emotional baggage. Yes, you do. And I, I, this sounds much worse than it is. You can't go to jail. Sounds like you did something. You haven't done a thing, by exactly. the way. Exactly. That, that, but you got our attention. preemptive. I can't you, go to jail. You definitely got our attention, Scott. Bravo. <laughs> well, he's 37 years old. He's in Rigby, Idaho, just up the road from us, he says. He's been a longtime casual viewer of the YouTube channel. Scott, thank, thank you. you so much. His favorite by far review was our review of the LS-swapped 944. That mm-hmm. belongs to Jeff in Denver. Jeff's pretty excited to hear that yes. right now, yeah. <laughs> for sure. But he says he's yearning for a new fun car, but he's got so much emotional baggage and personal history tied up in his current ride that it's hard to consider selling it. Plus, he's not 100% sure what to replace it with. He's always loved vehicles of all kinds. One of his earliest memories is sitting on the bench seat of his dad's 81 Dodge Ram when he was four years old. Mm. He told him he was selling it. And Scott didn't take it very well. <laughs> I've been through that experience. (laughs) Be careful when you share this news. He still remembers watching his fingers run over the saddle blanket seat through his tears to this day. Wow. He says these are important details in psychoanalyzing his current conundrum, if we can read through. Mm -hmm. But his first car, which he drove all the way through high school, was an 86 Civic SI hatchback. It was magical, he said. He must have gone through three clutches in his many years doing burnouts (laughs) and rowing through the gears at his excellent five-speed. But as much as he loved it and drove the wheels off it, he still didn't feel like it got the respect it deserved in terms of driving dynamics and utility. Okay. But even a young college student, he says, from a practical middle-class family needs a practical vehicle, which meant more Hondas. Mm-hmm. He says even after he was a full-fledged grown-up and having moved to Houston, he's had a Honda Accord sedan, an 06 Toyota RAV4, and recently the truck that you have in Houston because you have a truck because you're in, in Texas. Because you're in Texas. And, right? and now you can actually have a Toyota in Texas. You know, 20 That's years true. ago, I don't That's know. Right. But now, the Tundra has come to play for sure. Yeah, <laughs> He had an 08 Tundra, 5.7 V8, but it was rear-wheel drive, just two-wheel yep. drive. Now, Because it was a Houston truck, by the way, which means it never went off-road. It went through Starbucks. <laughs> it commuted. <laughs> right. Occasionally, there was flooding on Texas freeways. Ooh. We're fine. Yeah. Ooh. Well, in 2016, he got a job offer to move back to Idaho. Okay. And he never expected that. He never really wanted to move back to Idaho, but he says the offer was a good one in his undefined field of instructional design. I don't even know what that means, but I'm not you have sure a job either. and you like it and you're in a place that you love. So that's a win. That's a win. Now he and his wife accepted the offer and around the same time when they were moving, his wife was rear ended in her Toyota RAV4. Hmm. So the insurance company gave them a Sienna as a rental while the RAV was being repaired. Does everyone see where this is going? Well, <laughs> she loves her RAV4. Yeah. They have two kids and a large dog and his wife was handed a rental Toyota Sienna. And you can hear, mm. I, I can just hear the ticking of the clock until she goes, bing, I'd like a minivan. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Well, they have two kids and a large dog. And so, of course, she wanted one. And therefore, Scott traded in the Tundra on a 2013 Sienna, which they still have to okay. this day. All right. But then he didn't want the RAV4 to be his primary vehicle. 
It's a great car, he says, numb staring aside. He says he's a portly six foot two with a long torso, and he wasn't comfortable in it for long drives. Okay. So he sold the RAV for cash, started shopping for a vehicle that it would, he would always turn around and look back as he walked away. That's how you did it right. Sure. That's how you know. Yeah. So he says, sometimes the heart trumps logic, of course, and defies the established precedent. <laughs> and so he decided on an 07 E90-335i with the manual transmission with both the sport and luxury packages, 99,000 miles on it, clean service history for $10,500. That seems like a deal to me. Now, that's the E90 BMW that we really, really like that one in the M3 form. You've got it below M3, but you've still got it in the six-speed manual with all the good packages. That sounds like that's still very good. And plus, you have the turbo. That is genuinely fun to drive. Bravo, man. Yeah, for sure. He says the reputation of his new car was generally poor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not only, he says, is it a Euro vehicle that costs too much, breaks down too often, and empties whatever is left in your wallet when you get it fixed, but then there's the host of other common failures specific to the N54 engine that he says forms an effective coating of car buyer repellent to any car equipped with that engine. What I love is he actually said that he started writing a list of everything that he was concerned about or replaced or was a potential failure or he chased or whatever. And then he said that was a page by himself, by itself. So he threw it out and did not include it in this email. But this is how much he has dug into that engine, both specifically and in theory. But now he loves it. He loved it then. He loves it now. He's always owned sensible vehicles that never really broke down ever. Mm. But the new car is quick. It had an amazing hydraulic steering rack and boost. Mm -hmm. He says that turbo push was intoxicating. He loved it. That love has only deepened in his five years of ownership. Okay. All right. Good. But upon purchase, he decided he would not hesitate to repair anything himself for fear of making the problem worse. Right. Right. This is is the opposite of my headspace because I think, you know, I could work on that, but I'm going to break something else. (laughs) So I take it to the mechanic. Scott is going, no, I'm going to fix it because they'll make it worse. That's very interesting. Okay. He says he would would figure it out. He would overcome whenever the chime of the engine malfunction power reduced warning sounded. (laughs) And it only took a week before he heard that chime. Now, he is comfortable changing the oil, rotating the tires, swapping out brakes in his driveway. Because that's all his former Japanese vehicles had ever really needed. Uh Uh-oh. And over the next five years, his car has become his classroom, his friend, his partner, and his teacher. Also, you didn't say here your frenemy, because I imagine there were (laughs) also some moments when tools are getting tossed across the garage. Yeah, Yeah. and and the cursing. But he's worked on practically every single system and component in the engine bay, the drivetrain, the chassis, the CAN bus system. Good He does a big project on the car every winter. (laughs) Wow. It got cold, honey. He he says, literally, it's become a tradition. Can you imagine (laughs) how tolerant Scott's wife is of this? Amazing. Every Thanksgiving weekend, there is a tradition. He jacks up the 335i BMW, puts it on jack stand, so it's hanging in midair, ready for the winter project. Wow. Your wife is tolerant. I just have to say. for her. Yes, for sure. Yes. By the way, he says he managed the rear-wheel drive in the snow issue with an F-150 for years. And so five years on, this car keeps running. Well, that's because you put it on jack stands every Thanksgiving. When everybody else is out buying their Christmas tree during Thanksgiving. He's working, yeah. You've got your car in jack stands. He does, yeah. So now the car has full bolt-ons. Oh, my Pump gosh. gas tune, M3 control arms, a stiffer subframe, refreshed everything else. He says it's only about a 7 or 8 cosmetically, but mechanically it's a 9 or a 10. Mm. 
It's significantly faster, more reliable than stock. He loves driving it on canyon roads, on the highway, even in town. And the only regret he's got is that it's a sedan instead of the coupe. But he's got three kids now. Mm -hmm. And he thought, all right, that's a concession to practicality. So fine. Yep. So why is he writing to us, he Mm -hmm. says. (laughs) He doesn't know where to go from here. That's why. Yeah. Driving it as is wouldn't bother him, but he says that as the six-gear exhilarating passing on the highway, he says the car is just a bit too fast and geared too high for a streetcar. Welcome to every German-built car yes. who has the Autobahn. Yes, and, and most modern cars, are, you have to get them really fast before it's like, oh, this did get fun, yeah. The torque, he says, allows him to rarely leave third gear in a canyon. He loves power. He loves getting pushed back in his seat. In order for him to explore the car's capabilities now, he has to go deep into the go-to-jail speeds. And he there says, I'm a grown-up. I can't go to jail. <laughs> I love this, Scott. Here's what's crazy is you have just spent a cent- an entire paragraph talking about all the reasons the car is too much. Mm-hmm. All the reasons the car yeah. can't be exploited anymore on the highway or in your normal roads or when you're running errands or even on a canyon. You've... Yeah. you've been eloquent about that. I'm pointing that out here because of the next paragraph, which is if you keep it, you plan to install bigger turbos and get it to roughly 475 wheel horsepower and 525 wheel torque. Now, Scott, are you aware that you just lost your mind in two exactly back-to-back <laughs> paragraphs? You've just told us the car is too much, followed by if I keep it, here's how I make it too much and more. He goes on to explain that will expose and break all of the current weak points in the car. Of course it will, because you will find what the next weak link is. Absolutely. Yep. So he says the cycle will continue. He will have a car with which he is extremely sentimental and with which he is quite enamored, Mm -hmm. even if it does have four doors. That almost doesn't matter, right? Yep. But he still won't be able to really use the power. Which will be more power than it was before when you can't use it. Exactly. More. Mm -hmm. And so he says, I guess it's going to be good for the verbal sparring of perversion phallic measurements at cars and coffee you're right yes because there's always a phallic car and there's always somebody at cars and coffee or any show that has the argument well if i throw enough big numbers mm-hmm. or enough small numbers in terms of zero to 60 in performance yeah yeah, yeah. here's all the numbers mm-hmm. you, you got nothing my the, the people you're talking to they got nothing it's not a conversation <laughs> anymore you're talking at people yep you're not engaging in conversation, the art of conversation. You're just spewing all the stuff, and good job. You win. It's the bar fight. You it's, it's win. It's an absolute bar fight. That's totally what it is. Based on numbers yeah. alone, mm-hmm. are you willing to do all those things? Those are estimated numbers in most people's cars, by the way. Of when course. People say, I've tuned it up to 800 horsepower. So this is probably like a, you know, this is like a nine-second car now. Have, have you had it on, this, on the strip? No, no. I drove Do you it, know that it's a 9.25 I drove it from car? home slowly, and uh-huh. I popped the hood, and I went and got a coffee. Have, yeah. have you really, yeah. you know. That's how it happens a lot of times. Force this car to do what you think it does, or is it all estimates? Because the flip side of that equation is I guarantee you the one that did just do the nine second doesn't look pretty enough to be at Cars and Coffee with no. a hood popped. That's, oh. the, that's the flip side. That's that exactly car right. really does it, but you're like, that car's been a little beat on, but man, it's quick. And, and it's, it's back quick. in the shop, and its owner drove something else to Cars and Coffee. <laughs> because it's got the drag slicks on it. Yeah, that's right. a very funny. Good point. Very good point. Well, Scott admits he's cheap. He says that's the real reason he decided to fix everything on the BMW himself. But he's alluding to the possibility of not keeping this 335i. Mm-hmm. And he says if he gets another fun car then he struggles to justify keeping the BMW, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
says there's nothing objectively special about it. As a modded vehicle, it's probably worth $7,500 to $9,000, despite all of the mods being tastefully done, done right, and being adult-owned. You're probably right. That's probably the upper level for that car. And this is the thing about when you start putting a lot of stuff on a car, you'll never get that money back out. Now, Scott, you've got a lot of experience out of it. Certainly. And a lot yeah. of, of yeah. lessons, as you said, about how to be a mechanic. But that okay, that, that, there's not money to come back out of this car, for sure. No. He struggles to think of a vehicle that a competent shade tree mechanic, like he says he is, could purchase a vehicle he could purchase that would result in more performance, handling, comfort for your money than this BMW with the N54 engine. Because he's got it dialed. But he also can't use yeah. it, and he's thinking about making it less usable. This is, this is the, this is the yeah. rabbit trail. Yeah, for sure. So here's the question. Does he allow himself to fall prey to the siren song of other performance vehicles? Does he go buy something else? Mm-hmm. How does he cope with parting ways with this car that has taught him how to wrench, taught him how to drive fast, and taught him how to appreciate the engineering that goes into making a great driving experience? I have many thoughts for you, Scott. Many, many thoughts. If he does, what should he look at? He loves straight line acceleration, but he loves handling more. Loves handling more. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. He says if the 335 wasn't a poor performer in autocross, he would be participating in it because he loves to learn. He loves Mm. to learn how to really drive a car in that context. So here he is intrigued by a Cayman S, a 987.2. Sure, yeah. He does need to drive one, and he mentions their unobtainium where he lives. The simple solution would be keep the BMW and scratch the itch with an NV Miata. But he doesn't fit well. But he doesn't fit. That's that's a real problem, yeah. He also doesn't think he'd love being inside a C5 Corvette, but admits he probably would love driving it. And he says it would be a struggle to say goodbye to the 335i. Did he mention that? Yeah, he did a couple times, for sure. Speaking of cars to wrench on, he just bought an 06 Land Rover LR3. Project. There's your... Scott, the wrenching solved. There's the car you're going to wrench on right there. That's very true. 2006 Land Rover LR3. We have a friend here in town, locally, Gary, okay? (laughs) And he is all Land Rover all the time. And he He has said to me on multiple occasions, I don't know why anybody has trouble with these cars and calls them unreliable. But what he doesn't acknowledge (laughs) is that Gary is one of those guys loves to tear things down and fix anything when it hiccups once. So all of yeah. his Land Rovers run better than any in history <laughs> because he is constantly tweaking on them. And as a result, if you're listening, Gary, hi, by the way, that, that that's why they run. So yeah, there's there's your project, Scott. You got it handled. It was Gary's daughter who we taught in the yes. Chief Sports Car Challenge to drive sticks. Sophie. Sophie. Yep, for sure. She was great. Well, he's, Scott here says, maybe going full race car is the answer here. You're already at full race car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Should he buy a salvage Miata and turn it into an Exocet? Mm, oh, no. yeah. Wow. And now we're to the budget. 20000 But 25000 if there's a really compelling argument to justify it. Scott, 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 Scott. Here we go. Go. Mm, uh, Scott, tough love time, man. Here, here's, here's the analogy I actually thought of for your 335. Okay? And I want you to really think about this. Selling your first fun car is like breaking up with your first girlfriend. Okay. Because you learned a lot and there's a, there will always be firsts associated with that person or in your case with that car. There will never be other firsts because that car did it for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like that first girlfriend relationship, if it's not right, you have to move on. Yeah. Now, I understand there are people, look, uh, you met your high school sweetheart and you were married for 60 years. I I know there are those of you out there with that story. I know that exists and it's incredibly amazing and sweet when it happens. That is the rarity and not the reality. And that is why I'm using this as an analogy. In most cases, the first person you dated, I'm going to go back to 1950, first person you went steady with, 
Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the first person that you had an actual relationship with, romantic relationship with, is not the person you should wind up with. Most of the time, you really, really shouldn't wind up with that person. <laughs> but there's all these firsts associated yeah. with it. This yeah. is you in this car, yeah. and it's time to let it go. Because okay. you've okay. admitted three or four things in here where it's not perfect for autocross. It's not perfect for, well, now it's too powerful and too fast. It's not perfect for reliability. You've mentioned all these things. You've acknowledged the issues with this relationship, if you will. But because it's the first, it's the first love you hmm. want to hang on to it. It's a good way of looking at it. Okay. Let the girlfriend go, man. Let wow. her go. Let her go. I know that's hard, okay? But I think the, the BMW needs to go because there are other life experiences here. And I also think it's going to, to give you such information, like leaving that first relationship. It's going to give you such information about yourself and what you like, your proclivities, ding, ding, the things you know about how cars work and driving and what you want out of a car. That's going to completely transform your ability to shop for cars and enjoy the next one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So this is time to go. You also said you prefer, you, you like power, but you prefer handling. I find that fascinating okay. since this entire discussion of this car, all you can really think to do to it now is add more power. Right. But what you really like is handling and you want to do more canyons and you want to do more autocross. So let's just back away from power. I like okay? it. I like it. What you need to do, and I think might be the beginning and end is you need to shop the 86 chassis. You're a big guy, big guys fit in the FRS BRZ. Shop first gen or second gen, either one. If you really want something to wrench on, get a cheap first gen hmm. and go nuts. Just just make it yours. Hmm. They're easy to work on. There's tons of hmm. parts. They're out there. They're known commodities. You can avoid the, the, the known issues. You can make them faster. You can do whatever you'd like. They're out there and they're cheap and there's so much stuff available for them. If you want to wrench on something, but if you just want something that works, consider the top of your budget is right around where the second gen is going to start. So the 86, I think is your usable rear wheel drive fun car. And also I think it focuses you away from turbo saving you. Oh, it will make you yeah. a person that focuses even more on you need all those gears. Yeah. I am yeah. going to find the power in this car by pushing on it, by learning where the RPM is, by learning I need to be in this gear instead of that gear. There's no third gear rules all. That's gone. So that will teach you that as well while you're focused on handling. I have alts for you. I think the alts are compelling as well, and that is used 370Z or a C5 or C6 Corvette. C6, if you can do it, I think you would thoroughly enjoy it. I like your Cayman. I have to back the Cayman. You've already brought it up. But I really wonder if you, the wrencher, who's had a turbo German car, needs to be in that 86. At this point, I'm just seeing the Sienna and the BMW in their lives, correct? It's just two cars. Is that Well, he has the F-150 that is his winter beater when the, when the BMW is up on, on oh, Jack that's Stan's right. Thanksgiving. Uh, so that is the F-150. Okay, I guess he does beater. still have that F-150. He does have that. That is just the okay. winter beater car. Yeah. Okay, so that's still around mm -hmm. for winter usage. That's fine. Though so there is nothing quite like an 86 chassis with winter tires. I'm just saying. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Wow, Scott... I feel like at this point, it's tough to add handling to a car. You can Very. magnify handling in cars. You can improve it. Yeah. But power is a different animal. Mm -hmm. You can dramatically change the power on a car to, whether, to where it was nowhere close to stock. Absolutely. Yep. But handling, 
the chassis and the recipe start as they start. Mm-hmm. And all you've done with some tires and suspension and an anti-roll bar, a thicker anti-roll bar, is just magnify that a bit. You can increase Miatas where are, it started. Miatas are great out of the box. Yes. On the showroom floor, those old Miatas, mm-hmm. they were great. With the autocross setup, you've magnified it, but you haven't added handling to the car. True. True. Where, whereas any slow car, that was never like, you know, never like that off the showroom floor. And you've completely changed. You've added all that power. Mm-hmm. You keep saying you're into handling, which is so interesting. But at this point, I feel like there's a decision that you should explore personally. And that is you need to decide if you're interested in experiencing multiple cars and their performance. Mm. Because as much as this car has been your muse, I feel like there's so many other cars waiting to be experienced by you instead of settling on one car and I'm going to pour everything into that. Because you mentioned the Cayman and I love Caymans and they're Mm. fantastic, especially the 987. They're brilliant. They're really good. But I don't want you to write back and say, guys, I saw on the internet, I didn't know you could do this. I dropped a voodoo engine in the back of this thing. And I, (laughs) oh my gosh, this thing pulls wheelies down the, yeah, uh, no, they're great. Mm. And even a base Cayman, fun, low power, fun. They're great. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you can keep your hands off a car. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I'm if you can about that too. Yeah. not touch a car. And you also can't buy every performance car you're interested in and modify it to make it have absurd numbers you can't use. Yeah, stop. <laughs> you can't <laughs> you, do that. You've I mean, already maybe discovered you can, that. Maybe you can. With maybe you can with all the budget in the world, but you're wanting to keep it long enough to wrench and and you know work its way into your life and have it long enough where you've enjoyed and extracted almost every experience. That takes a few years to yeah. do that road yeah, trips yeah. and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then doing that again and lather, rinse, repeat with every performance car. Ooh, that's that's a lot. So, what's your flavor? Is it mm. older cars? Mm. Is it wrenching? Is it just keeping them going? But it doesn't sound like, like I said, you're not going to be able to allow yourself to not touch a car, not mod a car, not do do something to yeah. it. That, and, and this is the cycle, Scott, because you, your story is actually not that uncommon, Scott, because we've known a lot of people that wrench, 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 and only improve a car, and they improve it out of being usable. It's, bigger turbos with it's a, 525 it's amazing when you use it in whatever they torque. built it for. Is that dragging? Is Gosh. that day at the track? Is that whatever? It's amazing for that. And then they step back one day and they realize all the other times I want to use this car, it got worse. It got mm-hmm. a, it got laser mm-hmm. focused for the thing that I wanted it to do, and it got worse everywhere else. And I know that there, there's no real dollar level, low or high, that you pour into modding a car that makes any difference financially. I mean, you, a, a cheap car, you pour mods into it, it's going to be expensive. Yeah. An expensive car, you pour mods into it, it's going to be expensive. Either way, both kind are. I feel like there's an outlet to be able to spend less and do less to a car that, as a baseline, will give you better handling to start with, and then you're magnifying it rather mm-hmm. than trying to add handling or power to a car that really wasn't ever designed to do that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So let's start with a different platform, a different chassis to be able to get there. But modern cars and new cars, they don't need to be touched. You, you don't need to unless, I mean, I guess you, you can. certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. But of course you can. Why? If you're buying a everything. new car and a modern car, buy a better one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tune out of class question. And, and we, we've, Talked both sides of that a lot, and there's much discussion, yes. Don't put money into the new cars and wrenching and, and modding the new car. Your money's already going into that car payment. Mm-hmm. What about Mazda 3 turbos? Oh, that's an interesting twist. Okay. It's automatic. 
but it's mm-hmm. reliable. It's good fun. And they're all wheel drive too. Mm-hmm. And that's the 20. I bet you could get it between 25 and 30 somewhere in there. A even brand, brand new. new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably get them 25 slightly used year too old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All wheel drive. Okay. So that's just the car. You've got three kids now. Your wife does have the Sienna, but you've got this as the, Hey, I just need to commute. It's fuel efficient. I need to mm-hmm. ha- just have a little bit of fun, but that way the next car after that, which is going to be the smaller, lighter, doesn't carry four people mm-hmm. car. Hopefully that will be the, the car you aren't pouring as me- as many dollars into. You can still mod it and wrench on it, but it's a, at the lower level to still be able to get your wrench fix. Mm-hmm. How much a Thanksgiving weekend would you get back, Scott? This is one of the questions I have. How much a Thanksgiving weekend would just return to you? You'd be like, I'm going to watch another football game and have some more leftovers because I don't have to put a car on stands. How many Thanksgiving dinners have you had underneath a car? I don't know. Maybe a couple. So plot your next car. But right now, spend that budget. I I do say sell the BMW. You've had your time with it. Absolutely. And like we preach, you don't have to dislike your car to get rid of it. I'm looking at doing that myself. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of enlightening and empowering in a way it's it's freedom Mm. a little bit of freedom Mm, so plot your next car in the meantime get something that's fun but that doesn't have to be wrenched up to 525 rear torque where you realize you now can't use it that's 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 the 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 real bait and switch here about power like that is you get there and you go huh now (laughs) what do i do (laughs) so how about you get that mazda 3 or just get something that does have four doors, but it's less. It's still fun. Those Mazda 3s are still fun. I'd say probably they handle almost as well as your BMW. Mm. Maybe. And that's your driver. That just hangs out if you want to, you know, if that trades in and out, that kind of category of car. I'm almost looking at this as the category. But then okay. the one you do wrench on can come and go, and maybe it is a Miata. But I like a Z3 better for you, especially since you're a BMW guy. Mm, interesting. How about a cheap yeah. Z3 and you can pour money into magnifying that handling. <laughs> I'm talking about eight thousand and under, ten grand and under, twelve grand will get you a nice Z3. You're right, yeah, yeah. And they're just so much fun right out of the box, right as they are, mm-hmm. that you're now magnifying handling. You're not doing too much. You're not thinking, mm. when am I going to just tear into this car? You'll have your time back, and you'll still have a fun, good handling, mm. a better handling car. And you said you can't use the power anyway. I mean, you can, but you're going to go to jail if you do. <laughs> so let's keep you out of jail, right? Ideally. Ideally. Let less people in jail is... The, that's a side note of the podcast. We didn't realize that when we started, but apparently less of us getting arrested is a good thing. That's a good thing. And now you've got some opportunity to decide the kinds of things that you want to do. Mm. Now, you could experience, like I said, the multiple performance cars, but they're going to be expensive. They're going to be higher end. And are you going to be able to not allow yourself to touch something. So no. So let's just have that Mazda as the aside. And I use it as the placeholder example, like I said, Mm -hmm. but then the Z three is your sweet spot. That is the place you bought it for inexpensive. Yeah. 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 And you, maybe some of the parts even transfer. I don't know, but I mean, probably not, but you know what I mean? (laughs) But at least your experience with BMWs does. Mm -hmm. And you know, these cars, you know, the platform. And now you've got just a two seater, a fun, just the manual thing. It's, it's, your outlet now and you're not pouring all the dollars into keeping this thing running you know it, it's less hopefully to to wrench and work on dollars and your time as well so that is my recipe for you and then yeah your car collection grows but think about this that mazda 3 whatever that is can rotate in and out of your life mm-hmm. or you just have it and you, you don't touch that you don't touch that one <laughs> and with your kids 
they're growing. Mm-hmm. Not only are they going to need a first car, but they're going to need a first car to learn on, to learn what good dynamics are. You'll have it at that point. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. It's your instructional tool. So start focusing towards the, the instruction tools that you're going to be needing. You're going to be needing various types of cars to, <laughs> to have them learn. Here's an automatic. How old are these kids? Here they come. Yep. I'm telling you. We're big fans of Haggard, and you've heard us talk about Haggerty. But I don't think we've mentioned this new offering they announced late last year, Garage and Social. It's like a big, fun clubhouse for car lovers. Each physical location offers climate-controlled storage, complete vehicle maintenance and service, plus tons of events and experiences exclusively for their members. You don't even have to own a car to be part of this club. They've got social memberships available that give people all the perks without the storage. There are many locations already, Chicago, New York, Delray Beach in Florida, and Miami too. And they're not slowing down either. They're announcing new locations all the time. We're just waiting for the announcement that they're opening a Park City location, hopefully soon. Learn more about this exclusive car club and storage facility at garageandsocial.com. Catherine wrote in from Indiana. She said her husband, Christian, listens to the podcast all the time. Really glad that you guys are listening. It's awesome. But she keeps talking about she's not sure what her next SUV should be. And her husband keeps going, would you please write to the guys? <laughs> and here we are. Fantastic. Catherine, thank you for writing. She's in between what should be her next SUV. Okay. She's a bit picky. She mm. wants her car to be more of a luxury car. And an SUV is a must. She enjoys bigger cars. She enjoys a bigger budget too, that being fifty-five dollars to $65,000. Yes, that's good. I like that. That's good. She says she's got a few cars in mind, typically keeps to these three. The 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee, the 2021 Audi Q7, and a 2021 Genesis GV70. Okay. Luxury is really the selling point here, along with size. Well, I think space is a luxury in and of itself. Absolutely it is, yep. They have two medium dogs, hoping for a third, three dogs. (laughs) We're looking for a dog. That is a lot of dog chow. Certainly shopping for a dog, yeah. They travel a ton for work and visiting family in their neighboring states. Love it. Comfort is key. They're also planning on keeping this car so when they have kids too, so they're willing to splurge a little bit more. Okay. Catherine is also hoping to be a realtor in a few months. We wish you all the best with that. Yeah. And so she wants a car that makes a statement. She's drawn to these three because of the interior and the infotainment, and she likes the designs and the screens are flush with the dashboard and all three of these. But she's open to other ideas, too, and would love to hear more from us. I have a friend in L.A. who's a realtor, Catherine, and he investigated for the briefest of moments coming to Utah and going to Plan B trucks up in Ogden and buying a Hummer. They sell Hummers. They get them at auction, at military auctions, and completely redo these things. So they're civilian versions of the original Humvees and they sell them. So plan B trucks. And he was thinking about splashing his realtor graphics all over the, the Humvee. I remember this. I remember this. Discussion. Cruising around LA. I thought, it would, you know, talk about an advertising tool. So therefore it's a write off there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, your, your clients get to hop in a Humvee, like you, the real military thing. I kept thinking about the fact that as a realtor, you're instantly deciding on your client base. There would be a segment True. of people that would see an, a realtor that drives a Humber and be like, I'm never using him. And others would be like, I'm going to that guy. Totally. You split your market right down the middle. Yeah. I mean, maybe that, maybe you can, maybe, you, you know, could think that way, but I, I love the thinking, whether it's a Humvee yeah, or yeah, something yeah. else. I love the thinking, you know, splashing it with wrapping with crazy colors and be like, Oh, there's the iconic, you know, realtor person that handles everything. Well, why is he or she good? Well, you know, let me tell you, but that vehicle makes a statement. And I do understand that. I remember from my own experience, buying a house and driving around with my realtor and it, it actually, 
weirdly kind of matters. I mean, at least to me, maybe not to everybody, <laughs> but you're right. You don't want to get into a GTI with your realtor. You want to step into something. Ah, we're talking about houses. We're talking about all this yeah. stuff. You want yeah. to be, you know, at, at a certain level. I do understand the statement that you want to make here. And Genesis is a fantastic smart choice. I would actually recommend the GV80 to you. Yeah, I feel like the, the GV70 end. might be a little small for what she's wanting. I think so too. Yeah. That GV80 is actually three rows, but when you fold that third row down, you've got space for three dogs, mm-hmm. and this thing moves. At $65,000. The one we had fully loaded was 66000 And it was everything. It was the, everything. It, yeah, that's the thing. It's the, it's the more expensive, bigger one yeah. than the GV70. And and that's the one that saved uh, Tiger Woods. Let's be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. it's a really big five seater, and it does have seats in the back. Now the GV seventy is a little bit smaller, still very good. But, but I do yeah. wonder about that GV eighty for you. I agree with that. The back seats are where you want to be in that thing. You climb in, you think, mm. oh, this is a person of sophistication and taste and class, and <laughs> I want to know more. Take me to see some houses. Let's do this. <laughs> that's good. I like it. Yeah. So I I like that GV eighty for you. But nowhere on your list have you mentioned Volvo. Mm. Nowhere. I noticed that. Those can't be ignored. Agreed. At $65,000, you're well within at least the XC60, yep. if not a slightly used XC90. You're at the bottom of the 90, yeah, for sure. Brilliant. Yes. A different choice. And I, I do like all of these because they aren't the typical SUVs. They aren't the typical Germans. I guess the Audi is a little bit, but they're not just sort of the, you know, let me wow you with the badge mm. kind of thing because the Genesis and a Volvo certainly wouldn't. People be like, well, no, what's this? Oh, you're driving this. Oh, okay, interesting. You know, what was your decision making behind this? Cool, you know, a little bit of side chat, and then you go on to look at some houses. But mm-hmm. I love the Volvo because of the materials, because of the build quality, because of that isolation chamber, yet it's still fun to drive. They turn in, even their SUVs turn in so well. They're just mm-hmm. great to drive. I love those for you. So those are my choices, Catherine. I love the Genesis, but the GV80 at the very top, they're Excellent. I think that's the way to go too. Especially with the warranty, fully, fully, fully loaded, all mm-hmm. the power, everything. They're they're just brilliant. The interface is just quite brilliant. And uh, I, Volvo too. Catherine, there's some great stuff here. I, I like a lot of what Paul's saying. I want to run through your three real quick, and then I want to jump to some others as well. The Jeep Grand Cherokee is fine. I just I can't I can't get excited about that one for you. Yeah, I think I it's either. fine. I think, but I just I, I don't think it's grand enough in spite of the name. The Audi Q7. Uh, $65,000 is not the Audi Q7 you want. Yeah, right. That's the problem there. Yes, you can get into them for that, but I think the one you want is probably going to be 80. And I don't say that because you have to get a certain spec. I say that because this is how the German cars just add stuff. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're right. The base beginning of the Q7 is well within your budget. I don't think the features you want make the Q7 viable. And I think the the base models of it, this is going to sound weird. You almost should have just gotten the Volkswagen Atlas. Ooh. So that's my, my question there. That's the one built on the same platform as the Golf, right? And and everything else. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, all the way up to the Urus. But anyway, mm. uh, yeah. The, the 2021 Genesis G7, GV70 or GV80, I think, is by far my favorite of the ones you're talking about. And I agree with Paul. The GV80 is probably more interesting, unless you, for some reason, want the smaller size. But I think that the GV80 is the way to go. And again, those are well within your budget. Uh, it's amazing how affordable those are. I have to mention a couple other things. First off, Catherine, I'm going to say this to both you and your husband, Christian. Don't buy a car for the kids you plan to have. Ooh. Don't do that. And we said it on many other occasions as well. When you have kids, I hate to say this, you may decide minivans are awesome. 
You may decide that your really nice, luxurious SUV that you have right now, you don't want covered in kid goo. That's valid. That's valid. Yeah. You haven't said, we are currently pregnant. You've said, we have two dogs and want a third. So you're not at a place here where you're really already planning for the kid. You're going to have kids. I hope you have lots of kids. I hope that that works out wonderfully for you. But let's be honest, just basic biology, you're at least nine months away from even having a kid discussion. True. Of like a legitimate, where do we put this but stuff? she's focused on her realtor career right exactly now. Exactly right. So yeah. I think don't burden this vehicle with being the kid vehicle. Handle that's the a, kid vehicle when you get to the kid thing. Because trust me, the amount of plastic... <laughs> and sticky substances are going to wow you. So let's worry about that then. So I'm putting that to the side. Yes, the XC60 and XC90 need to be very high on your list. Captain. So you have to look at those. I have two that you haven't considered that I think you should look at both of them. The only downside I can see to the two I'm about to list, even though I think they're both very compelling for you, is the screen is not flush. The screen sticks up a bit. I get the sense that you don't like that iPad stuck in the dash thing. Sure. sure. So if that's really a deal breaker, that might push both of these out. But you should look at the Lincoln Aviator that is down from the Navigator. The Lincoln Aviator. Okay. It's a very compelling car. It is not an obvious choice. Lincoln is killing it on seats. They have very luxurious looking interiors. That's true. This is essentially the Explorer done by Lincoln. You wouldn't be able to tell it if you don't know that. This is the thing that Lincoln's done in the last decade is they've separated their stuff out. It doesn't look like what the Ford it used to be based on. Ten years ago, you'd be like, well, yeah, this is exactly that Ford. Now they've separated them out. The Aviator is actually really cool. It's well within your budget. I think that is worth looking at. Also, the current and updated Acura MDX. Thank you. Yes. Is an excellent choice. Yeah. I think you yeah. would be very surprised by how good that is. Those are two atypical choices that you're probably not seeking out right now. You should look at both of those. And then I have two used choices. Oh, great. Where I just thought about something that is very luxurious, you would enjoy being in, has good tech, all of the above. They're only possible if you go used. The Mercedes GLE with the M-Buck system. It doesn't have a screen that sticks about the dash because the whole dash is this long two iPads next to each other screen. It's very elegant. The interiors and the seats and all that are phenomenal in the Mercedes GLE. And then I have to mention it. Have you ever driven a Porsche Cayenne? Because I think this is odd. I mean, 65. But but used all day long. I think what you're imagining the Jeep Grand Cherokee to drive like is what the Cayenne actually drives like. Because yeah. I think you're looking at the yeah. Jeep as your little bit more more rugged, sporty choice. That's how it feels like in the three that you've listed. And I think that car with the luxurious feel that you want is a used Porsche Cayenne. It's a good point. And yeah, see, now, Catherine, we're getting into perception. Mm-hmm. Because people will say, wow, you know, you're a successful realtor. But people want to be around successful people. Mm-hmm. So you have to play that. You know, that perception game of, you know, do I, and it's not fake it till you make it. It's just, you know, how am I presenting myself to my clients versus, you know, I'm just starting out, but, but that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And like I've told the story of my dad in the aviation industry, when he would roll up to his insurance clients for crop dusters or, you know, private jets or anything like that, if he rolled up in some German sedan they would roll their eyes and be like, I'm paying my insurance guy too much. <laughs> so he got a Volvo S80. Mm-hmm. And he'd roll up in that. And people don't even notice that. It's just nice car. Yeah. 
And, and if he'd pulled up in a pickup that cost as much as one of those, they would have noticed that either. It's amazing, the perception. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But if he flew into the airport, yes. into the private airport, yes. in an airplane that costs just as much, or more. and he started doing this, because if you're just flying into, into an airport in a little airplane, mm-hmm. you're one of the boys. Yeah. You're part of the gang. That's so funny. So almost having to buy a more expensive object just to... Anyway. To look like he wasn't showboating. <laughs> exactly. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Exactly. So, Catherine, wish you all the best. I do like the MDX uh, add-on there for you, too, because I'm, I'm thinking alts. I love the Cayennes, mm-hmm. but I'm just thinking alts mm-hmm. as far as, wow, this is luxurious. I never knew. You know. And the MDX is a fantastic alt, and nobody notices it. My friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well, but I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash and do scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System complete kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Oh, Bevan5 writes to us asking, mm. what has the driving dynamics of an M2 with a road presence of an Aston Martin? I like this one. I have an answer. What's yours? I have an answer. Okay. It's the Mercedes AMG GT. That's good. That's, that's really, really Those good. Those things are I surprisingly, was, mm-hmm. they drive small, but presence? Yeah. Oh, oh, yours, oh. yours beats mine on presence. I think the other one I thought of, because it's much, much cheaper, but I think it also gets it done, is the Jaguar F-Type. F-Type gets it done. Yeah, the for F-type sure. Does it, for, does it for like half the price of the Mercedes, but the Mercedes really <laughs> does it. The Mercedes is, Mercedes is half the price of the Aston Martin, <laughs> exactly. and then the Jag is half the price again. But yeah, those are both very good. I didn't, I didn't oh, think we both come up with separate ones. I love that. I'm so all about that car. Travels with George J says uh, the last topic Tuesday on uh, 651 was a much needed intervention. I'm so glad. He has some cars. Yes. He's one of our patrons. He has some cars. His question is, when evaluating your car collection, would you rather have several nice cars and niche cars that fill a variety of tasks or one very special car that may not meet all your needs but gives you a rush every day? Well, this is everyday driver. So we want the car that you're driving every day. I got to hit the, hit all the, the points. Absolutely. Again we want the car you're driving every day to be a car that is fun. I don't want you to get out and be like, well, that's the car I drive now, but then I have this other fun, but this is the car. We want you to like the car that you are driving currently and daily. Yeah. So that is key to help you though, with your, your, your growing car collection. Apparently intervention is needed. Figure out what you're actually driving versus what you keep going. I need to drive that car. <laughs> the one that is the I need to drive that car can go. Hmm. It doesn't mean you don't love it, but but there's going to be something. This is the thing I discovered with as few as four. It was got in discussion where it's like, oh, I need to drive that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure you have multiple cars. I'm sure you have something in your fleet that is in that category of it never quite gets to the one you're taking. I really ought to drive that. Yeah, that car really ought to go. <laughs> Just, I'm just saying. Let's see. Tomonato says, what is our least favorite aftermarket cosmetic accessory? All of them. As an example, he hates those chrome strips that outline the doors. I agree. Yeah, that's terrible. Any, 
any stick on badge. Any, mostly it's car enthusiasts or wannabe and car enthusiasts who make a trim badge that the car actually doesn't have that trim level. Sure, yes. But to be honest, it's the triple M stripes on the grill of BMWs. Oh, that just drives me up a wall. I had it on my Z4. I think I it gave it five extra did. horsepower. I think it was. Uh, it made that car perfect. fast. But it did. Yeah. I just don't get it. What? No. Well, you see it on all BMWs that are not M cars. That's what makes me laugh. And occasionally you'll <laughs> see it on a non BMW, which really makes me laugh. Yeah. My my all time worst offender is the portholes. The portholes are nasty. They, they, by the way, they were originally on Buicks and Maseratis, and they now look bad on Buicks and Maseratis. <laughs> exactly. Okay, like from the factory, they look bad. Please don't <laughs> add them to anything. That's not helping anybody. Well, speaking of BMW, Matt Guerra, eighty-two, is having his sixth midlife crisis. Mm, he needs our counting. help. Would we take a Z3 with the smaller 1.9, 140 horsepower engine over an NC 2.0 Miata? He wonders if this heavier Z3 would feel sluggish with that kind of power level. Well, sure, but I think the question you have to ask yourself is, not do I feel lucky, but how much modding (laughs) am I going to do to that Miata? Because that's the temptation. Miatas Mm -hmm. of any generation, you're going to buy it and think, start shopping. Oh, I could get that part. I could get that part. Mm -hmm. But what are you going to do with these cars? If you're going to just have it as a fun little chuckable car... That be I I suggest the BMW just because it's the alt, just because it's different. Okay, it's yeah less power, but I I like it so much better. It's got that German solidity thing going on. I like it as the alt. I'm right there with you, Paul. I think it's a fantastic alt. I like it for that reason. The the reason I'm curious here is why the one nine. Yeah, why does it have because I fully nine? believe yeah. that you could get the one of the larger engines. I think it's a there's a two five and a two eight and then a three zero. But I yeah, think it's yeah. two five or two eight. You could get one of those two for NC Miata money. I'm it's certain that you could get yourself yeah. a little bit bigger than that engine, and I think then it is a compelling alt. I do think that you buy the smaller engine. I don't even know that you would be in a situation where you keep thinking I should have gotten the Miata. I think if you get the smaller engine, you're going to keep thinking I should have gotten the larger engine. Mm. I like being here in the Z three, but why didn't I shop for the larger engine. I think that's the, the clearer answer here. Mm. Interesting. Tino says, is it more of a job well done for Toyota or a cringe moment for Acura that the new NSX and the 86 have the same looking taillights? <laughs> Just a little bit different in size, a tiny bit different proportions. They're also on the WRX. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Those are, those are the stock lights, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, it's obvious that car designers across the board are looking at everything. I mean, is it a cringe moment for Lamborghini or Nissan that the Lamborghini has your headlights off the 300ZX? The Diablo, yes. Who, who is who wore it better? Right? <laughs> it's you know you see the fashion people do their breakdowns of celebrities. Like, who I wore bet it you, better? I bet you thirty percent of the people that I talk to about the 300ZX, thirty percent of them. Make a comment. Of, you know, this has the lights from the Diablo. It's like oh. the thing that almost everybody apparently Without knows about that car. Actually realizing which came first. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but but yeah. it's amazing to me how many people like that's the that's the, the little historical thing they want to bring up. I think it's fascinating. I thought it was so funny. It reminds me of your son mm-hmm. with Angry Birds and Star Wars. Oh, yes. And not understanding which came first. And that yes. just made you just... First time we actually watched Star Wars, it's like, oh, it's like the Angry Birds show. It's like, no, it's not the... Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a job well done for Toyota because paying homage to an NSX... I mean, 
It's not that we want an NSX, but the fact that Acura is still doing it, there's hope that they could improve the car or make, you know, make some changes and actually make it better. But, you know, that's not a bad thing at all that Toyota's, you know, kind of glommed onto that and it actually works on that car too. The question, Tino, is that if it works on both cars, then okay. Mm. If, it, if what they've done for both cars actually fits the performance and the personality and the corporate look or the corporate ethos of that brand, fine, let them both wear it. But clearly, you can find you know, headlights, taillight shapes, you know, creases, everything on this car. Well, that car has it too. Who wore it better? Which do you like better? Gearbox Car Reviews has a question. that It's almost a topic Tuesday. I'm going to see if we run through this real quick. He said he feels like on forums that the, the non-car-obsessed public only wants to discuss Honda and Toyota. And he sits here and goes, okay, but if you want an A to B cheap-to-maintain appliance that's actually good, why does nobody bring up Mazda? He means not us car people. He means like the general public. Why is mm-hmm. nobody going Honda, Toyota, Mazda? Hmm. And then he jumps from there and says... Mazda's been making great cars for a while, and here comes Kia Hyundai now making great cars. Do they have a chance of ever entering that conversation with Honda and Toyota Mm. if Mazda can't get it done after decades? This is kind of what he's asking. Gearbox reviews. Okay, let's see. I think the thing that may make Hyundai and Kia get there is the warranty that they offer. Oh. Because... The thing that Honda and Toyota, the reason that's in the general vernacular, or in some cases Subaru as well, is because people that are not car people are generally only shopping a car that will run, that will run in spite of them. They don't have to do anything more. They don't have to pay any extra per month. So here comes Hyundai, which which Mazda is not promising that. Now, Mazda's got great cars, good dynamic cars, but that's not what Mazda is known for. Mm -hmm. Mazda is known, even though they walked away from it, Mazda is known for Zoom Zoom. Yeah, And if you're not a person that cares about Zoom Zoom, you just want no maintenance. Okay? That's all you're looking <laughs> yeah. for. I just don't want to think about this car other than do I have yeah. to put gas in it? Okay? So that's all that's going on. So I think that Hyundai and Kia may break out because, first off, their products are very good. But secondly, if you're buying a new car, they are killing it on warranty. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for something that's just going to run – you might take into consideration something that their warranty beats everybody else. And then you, I've told this story before. This is fascinating to me. There is an interesting historical thing about the Hyundai Kia 10-year warranty. Yeah, yeah. They were making cars that we all laughed at. We all did. They were bad cars. And that's so, still in people's minds. That that's is still, still people, this unfortunately, is, This is why perception. he brings it up yeah. because this is still the perception yeah. they're fighting against. And what's fascinating is when Paul and I start putting people in Hyundai or Kia products now – Across the board, they're always like, this is great. <laughs> this is a Hyundai, Kia, Genesis. Ser- what? Seriously, seriously. Yeah. But what happened is in the early 2000s, they wanted to be considered seriously. And so I, I can't believe this, but it fascinates me. The marketing department came up with the best warranty in the business. And they somehow pushed that through and got it approved that we're going to offer the best warranty in the business. I've never heard of this happening before. So the marketing department pushes through the best warranty in the business. And then essentially, you probably heard a collective, well, crap from all the engineering staff because suddenly the rest of the company realized we have to maintain these things. we got to step up. That could bankrupt the company. So we have to engineer them better so that we aren't getting bankrupted by actual people coming in with warranty claims. So in reverse from the marketing department offering 
saying we should offer a warranty, the car company offering a warranty trickled backwards through the quality of the car so that they would step up to actually match the warranty. This transformed the company, but the warranty remains. The takeaway I've got here is that a marketing department proved that they could be actually useful. They proved that's that all they could, I've really they heard. They could transform a company. You're absolutely right. And, and probably all the people that came up with that warranty are no longer at Hyundai Kia. <laughs> We're still talking about that warranty. They're that the was CEOs a score. of all the rest of the car companies. That was now. a score for sure. Bradley J. 1983 says, "What are our must-haves regarding a performance sedan? Is it power, performance, amenities, comfort. What really sets a performance sedan ahead of its peers? Mm. Been thinking about this, Bradley. Okay. And it's Every category you can think of where it's outstanding or nearly outstanding. Mm -hmm. Because for sedans to exist and to continue to exist, they have to. Mm. Give an example. The Acura TLX Type S. Yes. Wow. Very fun to drive. Very fun to drive. Man, is this a good-looking car. The power is great. Super handling all-wheel drive isn't just a marketing term. Mm -hmm. You can actually stab the throttle. You're doing it badly at a turn. Just stab the gas. It's like a big Evo. It's pretty impressive. It is. But, man, those back seats. Well, and the front seats aren't all that comfortable either. Front seats aren't that great either, and there's not a lot of space in such a big car. But now let's talk about the Genesis G70, the 3.3 turbo Mm, all-wheel drive. Wow. Mm -hmm. When you get to the point where... It's under $50,000 and doesn't have adaptive suspension and still doesn't have the big brake upgrade and still brilliant. Hello. Mm-hmm. Wow. Power. Wow. Handling. Decent back seat space. It looks great, I think. And man, that warranty and the tech and it build quality. And so you go through every category because we could talk about Hellcat powered anything. Let's yes. talk about the Challenger. Yes. They're crazy. They're fun. You, you would think that, okay, the performance sedan has got to be the power. No. No, because there's the turbocharged sedans now that are out there that are, whew, they're still really quick and they don't have this monster heavy engine that weighs the front end of the car down and just mm-hmm. weighs the car down in general. Mm-hmm. It's not as nimble as these, these others. That CLA 45 that we have, I am in love with that thing. <laughs> it is a discount M2, it, M2CS. It, well, yeah, yeah. It, it's a direct competitor to the M2 competition. We'll watch our test right. drive on that. That's a pretty fascinating little car for 70 but, grand. Ooh. But in every category, you think, wow, it looks good. Mm -hmm. Man, the power, man, build quality, man, this interface is great. It just scampers, comfortable on road trips, on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to one thing that you you run out of categories and it's a standout in everything, buy that car. Well, I'm glad you brought up two of those, the the Acura TLX. TLX and the uh, the Genesis G70 that we just had, because one of the things that we dug into and talked about it on the test drive specifically for the Genesis is the fact that, believe it or not, the back seats in the Genesis are as bad as they are in the TLX. Yeah. Both yeah. of them have terrible back seats, but the difference is, at least for me, that I was more comfortable and I was more ergonomic and I felt more luxurious in the front seats hmm. of the G70. Mm-hmm. So here we have two sedans, both of which should have usable back seats. They just should. They're four doors. They're sedans. They should have sure. usable back seats. Yeah. And both of them don't get across that finish line. But in one of them, I'm more comfortable than the other one and feel more luxurious than the other one. And so the G70 ends up being the superior car, to my opinion, as a result of both of them failing on back seats. Sure. And it's very interesting. They have to check all the boxes to some degree. Yeah. I, you know, I hate to say the car that checks all the boxes, but, you know, throw something up against the mm-hmm. Genesis G70 and I can batch it down and then we'll come to price. Yeah. You say, fair. oh, well, you save money because the brakes are still great. Mm. It's so comfortable. We're marveling to each other. Well, this rides great in comfort mode. It rides great in sport plus mode too. And still scampers and it's fast and the brakes are great. And 
Wait, it's under fifty grand. But then the what? Fl- yeah, the flip side is though, if you came to me and you said I have to have usable back seats, then you know what? The G seventy is off the table. So it's interesting Certainly. to see how are bigger sedans. How are things weighted? Who are you as a driver? Right. What are you looking for when you say sports sedan? But you'll compromise in terms of power and how yes. nimble that thing is, yes. and you might not be able to get all wheel drive, and then you're off mm-hmm. the. You know, okay, so back seats. That's a big one, but for most people, it should work okay. Chris M. asks about our favorite commercials, past or present, car commercials. Mm. Still, the one that sticks out to me is the Fiat 500 Abarth from 2012. <laughs> I know which one you mean. Oh. The Italian model one. Oh, that you're thinking of? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she was just over the top. Katrina uh, Mangia? Katrina Mangia, yes. Look at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> easy. Easy there. <laughs> it's a family podcast. It, it was just, it was so so great. And it, it took you in an unexpected place. And that's what I love about films. Mm. Things that aren't the foregone conclusion. Fine. I guess in most action films, they are the good guys win, but you know, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then when there's this twist, that's why my favorite film is still the game with Michael Douglas. That's, that's great. If great you movie. haven't seen the game, it's over 25 years old, 25 years old. One of David Fincher's first films. Is it really? One, it's it's I, like I, the I thing you did like right after alien three or one of those like this on alien three, people kept asking him questions because they thought he was the PA. He was that young when he did alien three. Oh my 3. gosh. Yeah. He came out of music videos and he kept, he said in interviews, he's like, people kept asking questions, but kept being like, I'm the director. <laughs> That's not a question for me. I'm not the PA. I'm not getting you coffee. I'm currently directing this scene. And I'm sure David Fincher said it with a lot more force because he's not known to be a friendly gentleman, but he makes great movies. Still, I love that film. It just mm-hmm. takes you in an unexpected direction. Sean Penn's in it. Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. It's very, very good, I yeah. still love it. It's still awesome. Another one that is my, my, probably still my all-time favorite car commercial. I don't think anything has ever beat this because it does. it's so unexpected. Okay. And it's so different. Okay. And that is the Ken and Barbie Nissan 300ZX commercial. <laughs> to girl, you've really got me, got me now. G.I. Joe slides down off the desk, gets in the RC 300ZX, and picks up Barbie at the dream house and takes her away from Ken. <laughs> and the real car is never in the commercial. It's all set in a world of plastic toys. And it is phenomenally good. It is my all-time favorite because it just sells it. (laughs) There was one that was all animation that was when the FRS first came out. That was it like sliding through an animated Tokyo that that I felt like almost touched on that feel of the Nissan commercial. Because I'm very impressed when you pull it off and not show me the actual car moving. But the the Ken and Barbie one rules. I mean, the ones that don't sell you based on tech, because tech will change. The ones that, you know, you can tell they're clearly all digital. And the the way the car stops at the very end and, you know, you get the, you know, visit your GMC dealer now. But Mm -hmm. the way that the car stops, animators think the car just dips once. And, you know, when it. When you hit the brakes yeah. and the car submarines, it just dips in that in that way. It's like, <laughs> we're, we're such so geeks. Fake. We're such geeks. Oh, give me some emotion, some passion. Alfa mm-hmm. Romeo did it for a little while when mm-hmm. they, they introduced the Julia. They were doing some emotional. The Julia commercials were really good. They were strong. Things. They were very inspiring for Those sure. Were good. Yeah. What else? Yeah, it's just when when there's real stuff, and I get it that CG has taken over, and it's to the point now where you can't tell. Mm. But give me the real thing. Like go to the effort and give me emotion about it. Andrew Miller on Facebook says, since the NB Miata, that's the second gen Miata, do we think that the little roadster has lost its sports car moxie to newer cars like the Twins or the Veloster N? Andrew, this is a case of we overlook the obvious amazing thing that's always been here. I used the analogy before. It's it's the A student got another A versus the C student suddenly got an A plus. It's like, who are you? 
<laughs> You're the new kid. And meanwhile, the A student still got another A. The Miata is still brilliant. And yeah, the ND2 yeah. with the engine upgrade is is the way the car should have been when it was introduced. If you haven't driven an NC or an ND, do not overlook them. They are still some of the best sports cars being made. But because they are the known commodity, they get less of a, have you considered a Miata? I know Miata is always the answer. But they, they don't get the new press because it's just like, well, yeah, Mazda released a new Miata. And guess what? It's good again. But by the way, it's good again. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We do appreciate it. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, most of all your car debates. We love hearing from you guys. Really appreciate it. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.